0: you're listening to the super expander podcast align goals are pivotal for expansion you don't need me to tell you that but what happens when your flame weakens what really happens when it totally goes out reignite your goals starts with awakening to the emotions that pull you further and further away Letting go of your shame, denial, and frustration, and figuring out why your body is resisting your goals are the key to success. Regulate your nervous system, release the blocks, and reassess your path forward because your goals are ready to be reset and reignited. Christina Hudson helps women break cycles of toxic and traumatic relationships so that they can cultivate healthy love that lasts. She is the founder and host of the Rise Up and Thriving podcast, as well as a speaker and coach. Christina went from being an occupational therapist specializing in military-related brain injuries and post-traumatic stress disorder to helping women discover their resilience and confidence after trauma. She felt called to work specifically with women who have experienced toxicity and trauma in relationships after being in her own fight to not only survive, but to thrive. Hello, hello, Super Expanders, and welcome back to the show. I am so thrilled to be sitting here with a dear friend who it's been like a while. We were like in each other's worlds and ele- and our, our lives together for kind of a while. We were in a mastermind together. And then I don't know, some time passed. And just recently, we had the wonderful opportunity to reconnect. And I'm so excited that I get to share her with you now. Please welcome Christina Hudson to the Super Expander. How are oh, you doing Thank today? you so
1: much, Corey. Welcome.
0: I'm so excited to have you here and have this conversation today. So we just go straight into things because, you know, small talk is... it's it's not interesting. So I got to know, and we got to share it with the world, who you are deep down on a soul level.
1: I think there's a lot that comes up with that. And I, you know, I notice myself kind of jumping to what are some of my protective mechanisms? What is it that I want to show as my typical mask, maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of Really understanding, and obviously, we're going to get into it a little bit more, but really learning who I was has been such a journey of mine the last six years. And even in the last few weeks, I have realized how playful I am at heart. And when I can find myself in those moments, and like just such a simple one was riding bikes around a mountain lake. And it was just like you get caught up in you know kind of this free feeling on the bicycle, and it just took me back to being a kid and how much ease there is in that. And I think just reminding myself too that play is such a critical part of our lives, especially as we get older.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah, I I love that analogy as you're talking about that because a lot of the things that I talk about are this idea of almost like unbecoming and and forgetting Mm -hmm. and forgetting what the world has put upon you. And I I feel like that kind of sums it up too, is that in these moments when we forget who we're supposed to be, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden that's when the true essence comes through. And I think it very much can be found in those moments of play when we're we are actually connecting with our inner child, which is really who we are deep down on our essence. Um, So in those moments, what have you discovered?
1: I'm such an overanalyzer. I feel like it would normally take me so long to answer a question like this. I think again, you know, one is just the reminder of being able to play and, and maybe a reminder too, of not taking life so seriously, through my journey of healing from trauma, it does seem like things get to be so heavy Mm -hmm. and so serious. And there are so many times where I really try to lean into control because I see that as my protection. And yet the freedom really comes from the play and the surrender.
0: Okay, so this is like perfect segue to even just start talking about nervous system regulation because control and when we try to control is essentially a sign of complete dysregulation in our our nervous system because we are trying to make ourselves like a brick wall instead of being like this fluid rubber band, which... Is kind of what happens when we're in a sense of being playful or play, right? We get to kind of just roll with what's happening. It's not like in this in a a moment of play, you're trying to create an outcome. It's typically just completely open to where things go, the creativity of the moment and that sort of thing. So I kind of want to take that into a direction of control. When did you happen to notice that? this propensity to control was something super present for you?
1: I remember sitting in my therapist's office almost six years to the day I was doing marriage counseling with my ex-husband. And I remember her really bringing awareness to my rigidity. and. It bothered me so much that she saw me as such a rigid person. And from that moment, we really started peeling the layers back and started looking at the ways in which I was trying to control the situation, trying to control the outcome of my marriage, trying to control things in a way that they would work despite everything falling apart. And then realizing through her guidance, how much that was really tearing me apart and how much that control was coming out of a fear response.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. So this might be like, we're, we're taking it even, even deeper here. Do you know, Did you, have you in the process of all of that, where that kind of like originated and stems from for you? Because I feel like in in our place of becoming more regulated and going through these these healing journeys that i feel like so many of us are on these days we tend to it came from somewhere typically mm-hmm. in our childhood were you able to find and connect and kind of move through and release that
1: release i would say that's still a work in progress Yeah. My childhood was pretty turbulent, to be honest. And I think, you know, even though maybe one of the most significant plot points on paper would be my parents' divorce when I was about three, I think there was a lot of challenge at home prior to that. I I don't think, again, I was three, so I don't really remember, but I don't think there was a lot of Harmony and love and connection between my parents through my early years, and then really struggling with my parents divorcing and essentially creating their own new families. And that left me with nothing. And so I think that sense of control, in a lot of ways, I mean, I have a lot of quote unquote childhood wounds. You know, and a lot of them, like so many others, relate to belonging and acceptance and worthiness and love. And so I think what that part in my relationship really came back to was trying to make sure I wasn't left again, make sure that I was seen as being worthy and needed and valuable, make sure that I was loved and make sure that I belonged to something beyond just myself.
0: Yes. And did you find that in the app on the other side of, or, or did you uncover that it was more on the other side of as you went through the divorce process?
1: Yeah. And I will say, I mean, a lot of it really came after the divorce process. And it's interesting that we're talking about the nervous system now because I realized later how much I was in survival mode in the first probably two years. I mean, it was just soul survival. And I couldn't, I felt like I was drowning. There were a lot of times I would compare myself to feeling like a pinball in a pinball machine, just like at everyone else's will and control. I was flailing all over the place and didn't know up from down, right from left and really struggled with that. And within, you know, learning through therapy, learning through a lot of these different modalities, being able to get myself to a safe enough place that I could then start exploring with assistance what these root causes and triggers were for me.
0: Yeah. So in terms of that journey of regulating your nervous system, what do you think for you has been the most well, I guess the most powerful? Cuz there's lots of different ways for us to connect to a regulated nervous system. What has been the most powerful thing for you for you in in reaching that regulated state?
1: Honestly, I would say the first thing and and because it was the most comfortable for me was getting into the gym and doing resistance training. Mm-hmm. that I was a former competitor in NPC bikini. and so i I was used to that regimen and that discipline and and that kind of circles back to the control because it felt like something I had control over. And so that was a little bit, maybe softer. For me to start with, with that regulation, I know you and I've spoken about breath work too. And for me in the beginning, breath work was something that was incredibly challenging, incredibly scary. And I had a lot of almost like negative effects after the fact. And of course, as you know, every type of breath work varies and I had just been to a class, one of my first breathwork sessions had been to a class where you actually hold your breath during some of the practice. And I woke up later that night holding my breath in my sleep. And I woke up terrified and I couldn't catch my breath. Mm. And it was such a beautiful message for me that I now also share with other people that you really do have to gradually move into that nervous system regulation before you can proceed with several of these modalities. Because if you're still very much under the influence of trauma and in a space of survival, a lot of times these will trigger more of that survival response instead of doing what you're hoping to get from it, which is, you know, the beneficial relaxation.
0: Oh my gosh, absolutely. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I feel like it's not actually spoken about enough and especially not spoken enough by breath work practitioners. Mm-hmm. Because breath work a lot of times is not the thing you should be starting with when we're working to regulate your nervous system. Because, well, I mean, you I'm sure you know this. That when we start to get into that state that actually is a regulated state, if you've been living in that fight or flight. Or even in the dorsal state of just like, I can't even move my body, when you come into the other state of being in that sort of regulated ventral state, it doesn't actually feel safe. So the, the state that is the state we're supposed to be in actually feels unsafe.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's ironic. It's kind of, and mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to explain and understand. And I think a lot of people are like, we don't understand, but like breathwork is supposed to be a regulating thing, and it's like, ah, nope, it's not always. And there's another piece too. I have found in, and I don't know, like, where you are defaulting to. If you are more in that sort of like fight or flight, but a lot of times after a breathwork session, it can be like you climb to the top of a mountain, and if you don't have the proper support afterwards, it's like you just get somebody let you go, and you plummet to the bottom. And mm. if you don't understand what's going on with you, it feels almost like like a manic type episode where you're like, Oh my God, I felt so good. I was in flow state. And this is amazing. And then all of a sudden you just are like, boom, crash and burn.
1: Yeah. That's interesting that you say that. Cause that's exactly where I was starting to go too. is, you know, there are a lot of well-meaning providers. I don't, I don't practitioners, I guess would be the right term out there, you know, of all various things, not just breath work, but I think on both sides, right, as a client and as a practitioner, understanding the impact of trauma and knowing that the education around it, but also that extra container of support that is required in order to really help somebody move through it in a safe and beneficial way. And the other thing that it makes me think of that might be a little bit easier, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just because of the space that I'm in. But, you know, there's a lot more talk now about how a healthy relationship will feel very out of control, very either out of control or boring, right? Like the... Healthy relationship doesn't necessarily feel safe to your nervous system if you are used to a chaotic or an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very similar thing, right? It's just kind of what analogy or what situation can we understand the best? But understanding that when your nervous system is used to one environment and one pattern going to something, even if it's going to from unhealthy to healthy, it can still feel very dysregulating and upsetting to our nervous system.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that makes me think about your specific journey, your story, and the connection to nervous system regulation. Did Have you been able to find and notice that now that you have been on this journey of being able to be in a more regulated state, how that's impacted your relationship now and creating that safe space of being in in relationship that is feels feels safe and you feel safe at the same time. So it's all this almost like I'm tripping on my words here, but maybe like normalized feeling for you. I'd like mm-hmm. just kind of speak to that, what that feels like for you now that you've been on this journey.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think one, I was So terrified of relationship for a long time after my divorce. So it took me quite a while to even venture out into that world again. And, you know, so it's kind of like you're so scared (laughs) that I feel like in a lot of ways you can do one of two things. Because if you're in a situation where I was, where it was very chaotic, it was very violent at the end you will either go back to what's familiar and you know it's subconscious you're not doing it consciously but you go back to what's familiar because that's what feels normal to you and to your nervous system or i talk about the pendulum a lot you swing to the exact opposite and because and and for me i think because i put so much time and space in between the two like in between my relationship and dating I feel like I swung the pendulum to the other side, so much so that I thought just because it was almost the quote-unquote opposite of what I was used to experiencing, that must be healthy. And in turn, it wasn't healthy. It was still a different type of unhealthy, toxic relationship. And so I had to kind of do that pendulum swing back and forth a little bit to be able to figure out where that midline was and what that healthy neutral state actually was and felt like. So I don't know if that quite answered but I mean I I really had to start observing and sitting with myself and I started asking myself before every interaction with somebody that I was dating during and after and I would journal how am I feeling? And that helped really give me a sense of awareness of one, whether or not I could trust my feelings, but also needing to learn to trust my body and the signals that my body was giving me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's such a journey. Okay. So we were talking about this before you We hit record. You have been working on on a book to kind of document this journey to help and support others. So, w- tell me a little bit about about the book and when and when it's coming out and what people can expect,
1: yeah, thank you. It has been a work in progress. So it releases on October thirtieth. So at the end of this month, the book is called Rise Up and Thrive, How to Break Cycles of Toxic and Traumatic Relationships to Create Healthy Love. And it really does document my journey from starting to realize that the marriage I was in was not healthy through the divorce and then through that healing process afterwards. And it's personal story combined with strategy. So it's my strategy that I implemented but also with all the work I've done with other women I've picked up on a lot of themes and patterns that show up in the healing process. And so really trying to make it you know not only captivating so that people want to read it but also very tangible tips on how to implement this process in your own life if this is something that you're experiencing too. And every chapter, I well, I will say, I initially wrote the book and got done with it. And I was like, this just doesn't feel complete. It was very much a how-to. It was very much strategy, which is very easy for me. I've been a therapist. I've been in research. You know, Documenting step-by-step is no you know nothing challenging and i forced myself to sit with it a little bit longer and see if i could make it more personal and i went back through and i've been a journal journaler most of my life if not all my life i mean i've had diaries since i was a really little girl and every chapter now starts with one to three unedited journal entries from my journals from right before realizing that my marriage was not working through the divorce, through the healing process. So I have journal entries from 2016. And honestly, there are two other entries in there from 2003 and 2004, when that relationship first started, all the way through current day.
0: Oh, wow. So that's a real insight into just like, where you were, when things started, and almost like an ability for you to kind of like see the evolution of where things shifted or changed or, and and so informative, A, for for you Mm -hmm. going forward in relationship, but I feel like for others being able to see themselves in those Mm -hmm. situations and where those patterns are showing up for them.
1: And that's exactly right. Because I think if, you know, anybody can pick up a manual, a how to step by step manual. Mm -hmm. But until you can recognize yourself in that situation, you're not going to be ready for the information. Yeah. You're not going to be ready for the processing and the willingness to acknowledge that that's you until you can really see yourself in that. And so that was really the goal. You know, the goal wasn't to be personal just to share a personal glimpse into my life. It was really to create that connection with other people that really need it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. So when when is it out?
1: October 30th. So 10 30, 23.
0: Oh my goodness. And how will people be able to buy it? Is it going to be on Amazon? Where where can they find it?
1: Yep. It'll be on Amazon. It'll be in two formats. So it'll be available on Kindle or in paperback. So, and on 10 30, we're doing a huge push for the book. And then that night I'm doing a virtual launch party just to celebrate with everybody. So anybody who wants to get excited about the book, wants to be a part of it, wants to do any Q&A with me that evening, I would love to have you a part of that party.
0: Oh my goodness. I am so excited about this. We'll make sure that the links for all of those are down and in into the show notes so people can get the book and also mm-hmm. join join the launch party. I am so grateful for you sharing so vulnerably with everyone today, your story, your journey through your divorce and healing and, and regulating your nervous system. And I know that everyone listening is just cannot wait to get their hands on this book because I know it's gonna really be so supportive for so many people out there that are on a a healing journey as well.
1: Thank you so much, Corey, And thank you for this opportunity. Oh my goodness. We will catch you
0: on the next
1: episode. Like a fire needs oxygen and fuel.